Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, November the 13th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We're going to take a look at the week, review some of the big stories that are ongoing, like the, the war in uh, in Gaza and all that kind of stuff. So, Bill, welcome. It's always great to have you. Thank you, Silvio. Pleasure to be with you. All right, Bill. We're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. Did you think that 2023 would go by that fast? Uh, no, and I, I didn't think at the beginning of 2023 that we would be ending the year on with so many catastrophes, yes. so many major stories, and so much apprehension. You know, you're right about that. It's just been uh, it's been that kind of a year. And the other day, uh, somebody passed away the other day, and I was trying to remember who it was who was related to Apollo 8. Somebody, oh, uh, Frank Borman yes. passed away. Uh, he was 95. And he was related, of course, to Apollo 8. And it reminded me that 2023 starting to look like 1968. That was a crazy year. Yes. It, it just seemed like at every other turn, there was something crazy. Oh, yeah. And that's the way 2023 is starting to be. I mean, something crazy at every at every at every point. Well, let's talk a little bit about New York. The mayor of New York City, who's been in the news quite a bit for a lot of things, a lot of reasons, has now been in the news himself. Yes. But apparently, uh, as I understand it, please tell me the, the story. But as I understand, the FBI has control of his phone or whatever. What's going on in New York City, Bill? Well, they have control of his phone. I, I don't quite understand the story myself, and apparently either to most people covering it. He is accused, apparently, of using his influence to get some approvals for something involving the Turkish embassy. Um, I, I've read the story a few times. I don't. It's, it's not filled with details. But unless there was an act of bribery, which there doesn't seem to be, it looks like one of those fairly typical favors that you do for you know countries that want to have an embassy or a consulate in new york it doesn't look like there's anything illegal here and i i'd like to have somebody tell me what is involved or what or if it is a question of retaliation against him uh because he has criticized the democratic party leadership uh the, i i would i would imagine it's the second part because the legal system in new york is completely controlled by the Democratic Party, and they don't particularly like him because he's very outspoken and he has made very plain that the party is not doing enough to deal with the repu the immigrant problem and they may want to get rid of him. Well, that's interesting. That's what I was hearing too. Some people are saying that this is retaliation for his criticism of the Biden administration, but who would they replace him with? There would have to be another election, right, Bill? Uh, if he resigned, that's a very, very good question. I don't know New York City law. Uh, if he resigned or died, uh, I don't think they would need another election. I think that somebody else is in line, um, but I don't know who it is. Well, given the, the composition of the New York City Council, well, it wouldn't uh, be any better. Not at all. I mean, the New York City Council is to the left even of the, the, most of New York City. Um I'm going to look this up on Google as we're doing it. But uh, the, New York is a mess. The city is a mess. I don't blame the mayor. I, I, he's, I don't think he's a great mayor, 
But I do blame the Democratic Party of New York, which is very much a left-wing party. It's not a liberal party anymore. It has gone the way of progressivism, which means that people don't count, only ideologies count. Right. Uh, we we had declared ourselves, not we, because I don't live in New York City anymore, but the city declared itself a sanctuary city. And finally, they now realize what that means. They they have got to pay for this this flood of immigrants, some of whom are now coming in and then leaving because they don't think the city is providing for them well enough. These are illegals. They they come in. They 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 were given uh, hotel rooms. Uh, they were given three good meals a day. Now they're being they they're trying to move them out of Manhattan and to the outer boroughs, and they don't like the premises. Uh, some were taken to the old Floyd Bennett Field facility. Uh, where new premises have been built and it's not good enough for them. Some are going, uh, I know in Chicago, there was a group that says that they are not satisfied with their accommodations, so they're going to go back to Venezuela. Well, wonderful, go back to Venezuela. But I mean, what is amazing about this is their sense of entitlement. These are people who are here illegally, and they they believe they're entitled to first-class accommodations. Well, and for someone like me who actually came into the country, you know, in a different way, but came came here for political reasons, I find their sense of entitlement appalling because yes. when we came here uh, from my father all the way down to my little sister, there was a tremendous sense of gratitude to the United States. It was like, oh, sure. thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to let us live here and start a new life here. And I have to say, Bill, for most of the immigrants, not just the Cubans like me, but for most of the ones that I've met, they have that attitude of gratitude. Yes, sure I, I do. think these people are, you know, you must have gotten a really bad, bad batch in New York because most people do have a sense of gratitude. But then on the other hand, if they get so many things, I mean, they don't have to work for anything. My parents had to, you know, we had to spend a couple of months outside of the United States before we came in. We had to spend time in Cuba before we came in. So nothing was handed to us. You know, we had to work for it. I mean, we understood the reasons, but we had to work for it. So when we got here, we were nothing but grateful, Bill. Yes. Well, that was always the attitude of immigrants. It was the sense of gratitude, even though what they found here was often a tough life. But they were glad to be in a country where there was freedom. That's right. And what you said there is very important, that there was always a tough life because there is this myth that when immigrants come, things are easy. It was not easy for my parents. Uh, it was not easy for nearly a million Cubans who left, and yet they were able to put it together and, and turn into a very successful group because of the gratitude and the appreciation of the country, and they wanted to work, which leads me to another point. I read, maybe you've seen this, that they had a bunch of job permits, and only very few of them went by to get one. That's right. that true. That's exactly right. Yes, these are these are people who really feel that they are entitled. And, and one of the things that you look at when you see these photographs of them walking along is that many of them do not look like poor people. Uh, I mean, many of them are well dressed, uh, 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 clean. Uh, these do not look like downtrodden people at all. And I just wonder how much we actually know about them. The whole thing is such a scandal. Because our southern border is open. We are admitting people we know nothing about. Many of them are from countries that are highly suspicious. And I, I, I think we are setting ourselves up for a disaster, for a possible 9-11. 
and no, nobody really seems to care. Well, that's it. Nobody seems to care. There's this attitude that it's never going to happen again. And that is just a big mess. Another big story out of, New York, out of New York, as long as we're talking about New York, another another big story is the loss of billionaires. New York City has lost uh, a, a bunch of billionaires here over the last year. They're moving mostly to Florida, but they're 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 leaving. Some of them were quoted in the article saying that they're leaving because the tax rates have just become ridiculous. I mean, they work so hard. Most of them do. And the state wants so much of their money bill. That's exactly right. Well, uh, I think New York and California are the two greatest, largest uh, uh, out-migration states in the country. People are leaving New York in droves, uh, and, uh, and they're leaving California in droves. And they're looking for a better life. They're looking for lower taxes, for lower living costs. It's not just the taxes. It's the living costs, the cost of a home, the cost of an apartment in New York is, is so out of reach for most people. Uh, and that is especially true in the in lower New York, which is New York City. I don't know too much about upstate, but uh, in, in lower New York, people, as it is often said, can't live in the communities they grew up in. They're just too expensive. We, the real estate industry controls much of New York. Uh, and of course, the tax rates are high. Another thing that's very high is the utility rates which are going up, 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 and up, and that's Consolidated Edison. Uh, they, they, they're just a feeling on the part of the people who run New York that people will always come here. I'm not so sure that's true. I think the city has be, New York City has become an unattractive rather than an attractive place to be. Uh, I think uh, many people live there because they have to, because they have a job there, but it certainly does not have anywhere near the glamour it used to have. No, not at all, and, and I've known people who've told me that. You know, people in the entertainment industry uh, who've told me that, that it's simply not uh, affordable anymore. That you, know, you have to make so much money just to get by yes. that it's simply not uh, not doable anymore. Well, let me move on to the other big topic of the week, and that is the, the conflict over in Gaza now going into week number five or week number six. It appears that the Israelis, and credit to them, the Israelis are not going back. They're going forward. Uh, with their mission. Uh, it's going to be a slow process, but they're going forward with it. For the most part, the Biden administration is supporting them. Uh, how, how do you feel about it, Bill, six weeks into this conflict? Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the six-week figure because the the whole sense of time has changed uh, about these things. I mean, six weeks after Pearl Harbor, we practically we're doing nothing, still doing nothing. We were still recovering from it. And here we're talking about six weeks as if it's a long war. Uh, they're, 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 this, is, this could be a long war. I don't know. Uh, the Israelis understand that great pressure is being put on them to end the war, even though they, they, they will be a failure uh, because of, of these pictures that come out of horrible conditions. The pictures are real, but the cause of the conditions is Hamas. Uh, and uh, I, the way I feel about it is Israel is right. They've got to get rid of Hamas. They have to destroy it. It's a, it's a, it's a disease. It's a cult and a very dangerous disease because eventually, uh, because it is Hamas and because it is a creature of Iran, eventually they will get access to nuclear weapons. And then what do we do? Right. So I think the Israelis are probably pursuing it correctly. But the 
publicity, the public relations aspects of it are turning against them as they knew they would as soon as you start to show bodies of civilians. So I don't I don't think we can I don't think we can predict what will happen. I know that the Obama administration and not the Obama, but the Biden administration is very concerned politically because the Democratic Party is split between those who favor Israel, which has been the traditional position, and a growing number of hard leftists who favor the who favor Hamas, even though it's a murderous organization. That's right. And even President Obama came out and made some remarks and Professor Dershowitz jumped all over him. Were you familiar with that? Oh yes, very. I much mean, so. Professor Dershowitz pretty much told him where to go. Yes, and 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 I, you know, that. I, I mean, what I mean, Professor Dershowitz, I guess, was objecting to the moral equivalency, right, yes. that these people make. That somehow they they keep talking about the occupation of Palestine, but they don't talk about the fact that Israel was attacked. You know, there's they keep trying to distinguish these two and. Professor Dershowitz, I mean, his remarks about President Obama, I have not seen anybody speak that poorly of Obama. Maybe if John McCain had followed that tactic back in 2008, he would have won the election bill. He may very well have. People were afraid to criticize Obama because of the racial issue. But yes, uh, Dershowitz knows Obama quite well, uh, and uh, he, he really went after him over this moral equivalence business and basically told him, you know, maybe it's time to shut up. But Obama suddenly appears right after the beginning of the war, makes these deeply philosophical remarks about moral equivalence, uh, following the line of the United Nations, which is one of the most anti-Semitic organizations in the world. And then it seems very, and seems very pleased with himself, Obama does. But he's not added anything of value to the discussion. And this is a problem he's always had. He thinks he's very smart. He thinks he's, he walks on water. And nobody challenges him when he says these things. So, you know, he gets away with it. But I thought he was outrageous in what he said, Bill. I, I mean, I can understand Professor Dershowitz being that angry. I was upset with him. But the professor, I mean, I assume he's Jewish. He was even more, more upset with him. And I can understand any Jewish person feeling that way too, Bill. Well, yes, because he was play- making light of the, uh, in a way, of the attack on Israel, which was a brutal uh, uh, terrorist attack, possibly the worst terrorist attack uh, uh, on Israel. In its, well, it was the worst in its history, and one that was very much similar to the attack we had on 9-11. In fact, uh, in terms of proportion of population killed, uh, their attack was much worse than ours. And I think that Obama was so smug about it, and I can understand why, why Dershowitz was angry. Yeah, but Obama has this habit. He thinks he's really, really smart. And he always, you know, he thinks he always has to say something profound about everything, even though he doesn't know anything about this topic, Bill. But no. he thinks he has to come out and say something because the world is waiting to hear what Obama has to say. And, you know, in my lifetime, I don't recall a a statesman or a former president who frankly had less credibility on most issues than Obama. I mean, when Richard Nixon was around, Richard Nixon had a lot of credibility when he spoke about Russia and China. Yes. Whatever his faults may have been, he had a lot of credibility. Well, he he did. In fact, Nixon was one of those great American tragedies. He was probably one of the best prepared men ever to be president. And he took his work very, very seriously. 
the tragedy is he had a side to him that he just couldn't control this kind of dark side and getting involved with people he shouldn't have gotten involved with and and uh, making up enemies lists and things of that nature but uh but as a an individual in the white house nixon was fully prepared obama was never prepared for anything i mean he he had served in a couple of public offices in which he did not distinguish himself at all and yet was made president of the United States. I, I only wish he had waited 15 years before running. Or at least then maybe would have, he would have had the necessary experience. Yes, he would have been better prepared for it. But, you know, I think of Nixon, again, going back to that example, after he left the White House, he wrote a bunch of books yes. about different topics. Obama has just written books about himself. Well, that's it. That's it. He is typical of his generation. It's all about me. And if you know about me, you'll know how wonderful I am. And he really, I think, does celebrate his own wonderfulness. But he has not been of any value in this conflict. I mean, the, the comments he made were, were lightweight comments. That's right. No, I, I thought he was outrageous. I'm happy that uh, the professor reacted uh, the way he did. Well, as long as we're talking about Israel and Gaza, let's bring up another point and then we'll go to 2024. Uh, the universities, the outrage that I'm seeing over and over about the universities seems to be growing by the minute. The number of people who were surprised or, or maybe not surprised about what was happening in our universities. I've seen some of these interviews on TV with some of these university students who obviously don't know anything about anything. And, and yet they're somehow enrolled in some of our more prestigious universities. A lot of people are asking questions about how they got the money to go to these universities or what countries are behind it. Uh, there was an article recently that many countries in the Middle East are funding these universities. I think this is a big issue that is going oh, yes. to explode, especially as the next campaign rolls around, Bill. That's definitely true. And the Republicans in Congress are moving to investigate the financing of our universities. It turns out that a number of the top universities, or what we call the top universities, have accepted millions of dollars from some of the world's worst dictatorships. And uh, I think some of them may have cut that off now that it's become controversial, but they also benefit enormously from the money brought by foreign students. Foreign students don't get scholarships, apparently. Uh, they pay the full price. They don't get discounts. Uh, they often come from wealthy families in other countries or the country itself finances them. And economically, the universities benefit from foreign students. Some 30% of the students at MIT are foreign students. And MIT has been one of the worst in the handling of anti-Semitism on its campus. They've had, they've had physical events occur. Uh, and the president of the university slipped out, apparently, uh, by mentioning the word visa. In other words, if we, if we disciplined these kids further, there'd be a visa issue because then they could be deported. And I think that some, some have suggested, isn't it about time we did deport some of these foreign students? They're here as our guests, and look at the things they do, including tearing down the American flag whenever they get the chance. Right. The other day, there was a sign, I think, in London, Bill, telling people that they had to be either on the white side of history or the right side of history. Yes, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Isn't yes. that fulfilling? I mean, isn't that enrichment? You know, that is a great way to make friends, you know. Yes. They march with uh, with placards like that. But I, I think we're dealing with a very radical element. And yes, I think they should be deported. And if that means the university loses money, well, 
that's their problem, Bill. That's true. I think we've been uh, much too much too uh, easy on our universities. We demand nothing of them. We give them billions a year. Even the universities that have enormous endowments. I mean, Harvard has what is it? Is it, is it a sixty billion dollar endowment? Some. Why do they need federal aid? Let them spend some of their own money on some of these silly ideas that they have. Uh, and I think there will be a move to very seriously restrict uh, federal aid to education to provide for much greater uh, uh, vetting of what universities do. And I think it ought to be taken seriously. And I, and I do know that the Republicans will go, be going ahead with investigations of university financing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing when uh, a university like Harvard is so out of control. It's students going around and making crazy comments. These are supposed to be the best students in the country, and it's perfectly apparent that they're not. No, they're not the best and the brightest, that's for sure. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not that at all. But I, I go back to the question I asked about three or four weeks ago, Bill, when we were chatting about this, and that is, is there a flag manufacturing factory in each one of these universities? <laughs> because it seems like whenever there's a march, all kinds of flags come up. And I, you know, I didn't know we, you know, it just seems to me like somebody's either storing these flags or making them on a, on a day's notice. Cause that's a lot of Palestine flags. I had no idea. Yes. We had that many flags in the United States, Bill. I, I've been amazed also. Those flags look brand new. I suppose that they are manufactured quietly and uh, that, that they are given to Palestinian students to be used if there's a big demonstration. Uh, yes, I, I find it pretty sickening, especially when you look at these rallies and there are no American flags. Right. There are, the other uh, day they took one down. Yes, that's right. Several, they took several an American times. flag down, which is, which is appalling. But I guess the only good news about all of this, Bill, is that Europe has a worse problem than we do. They do. That's true. And they, they, they went all out on, on immigration uh, uh, Germany has a particular problem because because of its history, they seem to feel some obligation to take in just about anybody who appeared on their doorstep. And now they have a very large Muslim population that is anti-Semitic uh, and probably anti-German. Other countries the same way. Uh, there are uh, countries like Sweden that have had historically have been very, very snotty about their human rights record. And they realize they took in a lot of people who don't believe in human rights. That's right. That's the thing. I mean, they're taking. <laughs> Sorry about that. They're That's taking in people who who don't believe in any of their ideals, Bill. That's right. They they and and that is true in England as as well. Now they have to take in a certain number because if you are a member of the British Commonwealth, you get certain privileges in terms of immigration <coughs> to England. But uh, it is true that these immigrants do not believe in the fundamental ideals of the countries they're coming to, and they want to change these countries and make them into Muslim countries. And I think that we, you know, I, I hope we can recover ourselves as a civilization. I don't know if we will. I don't think it's a sure thing. But uh, the, the West is in terrible condition. It really right. is. And we are facing increasing threats from the axis between China and Iran and Russia. Uh, and it's an axis that is growing. It's hard to believe that only 35 years ago, uh, or whatever it was, 37 years, however many it was, that President Reagan said, tear down this wall. It yes. seemed that there was a whole new Europe then. 
or a different Europe. That's right. And, and the fact that the wall came down was considered a miracle. People advised him not to say that in his speech. But he said to Peggy Noonan, his speechwriter, he said, Peggy, that's why we were elected. And the wall came down. It was a, a magnificent moment. But then Europe, as usual, Europe works hard to ruin situations. <laughs> I mean, whatever situation they're given, they work hard to destroy it. And they, right. I'm afraid they're very wobbly. They really are. Uh, I think there has been a reassertion in recent weeks of Western values. But now we see today England. Uh, is replacing its foreign minister. I don't know what, what the cause of that is. Uh, they uh, may be going soft uh, because of the, um, the controversy in, in Britain over its policies uh, toward the Middle East. Uh, I would hate to see it. I'd hate to see them pull out just when they're needed. That's right. Well, just remember, uh, I just checked. It will be 35 years this September or coming September that the wall came down. And if anybody would have said to me at that moment, moment of joy and happiness when that wall came down, that this is what Europe would look like 35 years later, I would not have believed it. Uh, I would not have believed that Europe would collapse like this the way it has. But um, I don't know. Somebody somebody once uh, said, Bill, that Europe is like the in that movie, the, you know, the ghost that shows you the future. That yes. uh, Europe is sort of like the ghost of Christmas future. It's like you're looking at the future. It doesn't have to happen, but it could happen if you don't change your ways, Bill. Well, sure. And and all it will take is one major economic decline where things become unstable. And it could happen that, that Europe can go in a very, very bad direction, especially some of the weaker countries. I think Belgium is going in a terrible direction. It's becoming a very left-wing country. Uh, some of the others, uh, I, there is always a possibility of France, which has its own built-in instability. And, of course, Germany, which is the strongest country in Europe. But uh, I don't know if, um, if they can resist this enormous number of immigrants that they have. No, they, they can't because the numbers are, are there. Not only are the numbers there, but they're reproducing in huge numbers. And that's the other part, that they're popular. They're, the the you know the percentage of the population grows and grows and grows every year and that's what makes it what makes it very difficult well bill coming home uh talking about 2024 there's a lot of concern in the democrat party about uh president biden a lot of concern i suppose about his age a lot of concern about the economy a lot of concern about his presidency uh a lot of concern that now you have senator joe manchin uh, who is going to be? Who's not running for re-election? Which is probably smart on his part, but he's not running for re-election. Some people think he may be running as an independent. I, I don't know about that, but it sure looks like the Biden presidency is in deep political trouble, Bill. It is because the the problem that the president has is not going to get any better, and that's his his physical condition. I mean, it, it, you know, it isn't just that he has some ailments. If he had just a few ailments, that's one thing. But these ailments are affecting his personality, his readiness, his uh, clearly his mental state. And if he's put under enormous international pressure uh, because of a you know a, a disaster, I'm not so sure he can do the job. No, and then you have to wonder about his ability to campaign. I mean, even if they you know you can get away with a rose garden strategy. Like I was looking into this today and the last two successful Rose Garden strategies that I remember 
were Nixon in 72 and Reagan in 84. But in the, in both of those cases, the two men were reelected in huge numbers. Yes. And there was never really any doubt about their reelection. Uh, the only doubt was how big it was going to be, whether it was going to be 49 states or 45 states or 60% or 55%. But everybody assumed they'd be reelected in huge numbers. But in this case, you don't really have that. You you have the exact opposite. This looks to right. me more and more like the Carter re-election bill. Oh, sure. That's been it's been compared to that. Now, the the great advantage that the Democrats do have is that the Republicans are going to be running Donald Trump. And he's a about as controversial a candidate as you can find. I I have wished, and I think we both have indicated, it wouldn't it be wonderful if they had an alternative without all this baggage. Uh, but apparently the, the majority of the party wants Trump and that they're going to get him. And I, I don't know how you run a man with with all these legal problems, even though the legal problems may have been the result of a an ugly political conspiracy. But I, I, I think we're heading into a very, very uncertain times. Yeah. At this point, the last poll that came out has them in a virtual tie, I guess, for the popular vote. And and Trump you know, winning over 300 electoral votes. That's kind of where I, I where they're saying it's going to be, uh, that many of the states that went back to Biden are going to go back to to Trump. You know, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan sure so. are going to go back. Arizona are going to go back to Trump. But it seems to be that no matter what happens in 2024, we're going to get a very divided country, Bill, if Donald Trump is the candidate. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I can't think of a greater division in recent American history. I mean, a, a liberal Democrat uh, who, I mean, in, in the case of Biden, uh, he is he would might, might be called a moderate liberal, but he has got to cater to a certain degree to the crazies in his party because they're taking over the party in many, many areas, uh, especially the young people who really are in uh, really borderline in terms of sanity. And and then you have a very, very uh, conservative Republican Party. And the people will have a clear choice, but it'll be, in a way, a dangerous choice because we, we, we shouldn't have divisions this great. We are generally a center-left to center-right con- uh, country, but I'm afraid we've kind of gone off the, uh, off the limb uh, on that. Yes. One thing that President Biden could do, Bill, and maybe wishful thinking on my part, but one thing that he could do is not resign, but simply say that he's not running for re-election sometime after the first of the year, and then basically run the country maybe the way that we were told he was going to run the country, more as a centrist, you know, more of that Biden that we have known over the years, who was not really a radical man, but more of a, uh, you know, down the middle kind of Democrat. And he could actually do the country a great favor if if he were to if he were to pull out and run the country in that fashion, I think he would have a lot more liberty to do something about the border, uh, without having to explain it to the Democrats and 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 some other issues too, like the price of gasoline and stuff like that. He could break away from this uh, crazy uh, bunch of activists who are telling him how to run the country, Bill. Absolutely, uh, and you know he he might consider doing that. Because then he could go out with some respectability. Uh, he has, by the way, a very disloyal group within his administration. 
that is needling him. There was this so-called document or whatever it was, communique, uh, signed by 100 people in the State Department accusing the president of misinformation on the Israeli-Arab conflict because these are progressives who want us to be uh, completely pro-Palestinian. Uh, that's pretty serious when, when people in the State Department rebel against you. And uh, the, there is not much discipline in the administration. Uh, I think the Democratic Party is in very serious trouble, at least with Trump. It, you know, if he if he is nominated by the Republicans, he knows how to run for president. He knows how to organize the campaign. But I think the the appearances to the world in this election year are not going to be that great. I was listening to Doug Schoen today, the, the you know, the the consultant, Democrat. Consultant. Oh, yeah, sure who's been all over uh, the news. And he was saying the problem with the Democrats is that all they have is Biden. Yes. That they don't really have anybody else who could run. Even, even Biden can make it competitive against Trump, but somebody else may not make it competitive against Trump, Bill. That's right. And you have the obvious uh, second choice would be Kamala Harris, the vice president, but she's less popular than Biden is. That's right. And then the governor of California who I guess at other times would have been a pretty decent uh, candidate. He's telegenic. You know, he runs a big state. You would think that that would help him win the presidency. But he's got so many problems. Well, he's, and, he's yeah. the, one of the most unsuccessful governors in the United States. And that's the problem. I mean, can't they get somebody who knows how to do anything? That's right. Well, they can always get the governor of Illinois, if anybody yes. knows who he is. A Pritzker. Yes, or they can always get the governor of New York if anybody knows who she is. That's Hochul. Uh, well, nobody they, they know who she is, but nobody knows what she does. That's right. But so I'm not some... sure. Who else could they get? I mean, seriously, well, it, it's the... not a big group, not a big bench. No, they don't have a big bench. And one of the problems is that the people who are the most qualified are the ones who are unacceptable to the fringe. I mean, they've right. got some moderate senators who are thoughtful, uh, two from uh, Virginia, uh, some others. But they are not acceptable to the crackpots, and the crackpots will have their say. The the one senator from Virginia that you mentioned uh, is the one who used to be a former businessman, I believe, right? I'm trying to think of his name. But he would be a good candidate at a different time. But I don't yes. think he's nominated today. I don't see him getting nominated in this atmosphere. <laughs> well, no, that's that's the problem, uh, that the, the the best people they have are simply not the people who the fringe will accept. The governor from Kentucky, who was just reelected, would be a great choice. Would be a good candidate. He would be someone who can, who can say, "I can, you know, I can govern a Republican state." You realize he was the only Democrat who won that day. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right down the, you know, right down the whole ballot, the Republicans won, and he was the only one, the only Democrat who won by four points. Yeah, but that tells you something about. <laughs> his ability to campaign and persuade Bill. Well, he would be a wonderful candidate, but again, uh, he is considered a moderate and unacceptable to, uh, you, you know, whoever whoever runs, it's going to be the same old game because it's the same old party. They would have to have a minority on the ticket uh, because that's now a requirement, uh, and they would have to kowtow to the, to the left-wing establishment, and the left-wing establishment is not very popular right now. Maybe the best thing, uh, here's a closing thought, Bill. Maybe the best thing that can happen to the Democrat Party would be to get blown up. Well, I think there's a good, that's, I think there's a good argument there. Blow uh, it up and start all over again. 
I think there's a good argument there that the party is not governable because it, because within the party the splits are too great. That's right. I, so I, I, I have no problem with that. I, you know, it's been in, in in existence a long, long time. Maybe it's time to go and a, for a new party, a new moderate leftist party to take its place. And I think that party might do very well. Yeah, at least they they would be able to to govern with common sense, which is what I think is severely lacking in the Democratic Party today. Oh, well, I think Bill, you're right. as always, thank you so much for your time. It's always a great honor and a pleasure to have you. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the next one. The next week, we can talk about the Gettysburg Address, 160 years. How about that? That would be a great thing to talk about. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure the progressives will celebrate it by tearing down uh, statues of Abraham Lincoln. That's right. Why yeah. not? I mean, he, but he didn't own slaves. So what are they angry about? They're angry at him for because he's, because being angry is what they do. I mean, it's <laughs> what they learn. They go to anger college. That's know, right. They, that's that's what they do. They, they major in angry, being right. angry. Yes. Think, Bill, thank you so much. Have a great week. And uh, we will talk to you later. Thank you, Sylvia. Looking forward to it. All right. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of uh, Urgent Agenda. Always like to chat with him on Mondays, get a review of the week and talk about the big stories of the week. Today, of course, we talked about the conflict in Gaza. We talked about the state of the Democrat Party. There's some real problems in the state of the Democrat Party. We talked a little bit about the universities. Uh, something has to be done about these crazy these crazy universities. And I keep asking that question. I keep asking that question. Where do all those flags come from? It's like thousands of flags up at these marches. Who's making them? There's got to be a great business out there in making uh, these, these uh, flags. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.